Chapter 10 of Love Insurance by Earl Durr Biggers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter 10 Two Birds of Passage. On the same busy night when the Lilith flashed a red signal and Miss Gabrielle Rose arrived with a package of letters that screamed for a cotrell, two strangers invaded San Marco by means of the 819 freight south frayed fatigued and famished as they were it would hardly have been kind to study them as they strolled up san sebastian avenue toward the plaza but had you been so unkind you would never have guessed that frequently in various corners of the little round globe they had known prosperity the weekly pay envelope and the buyer's crook of the finger summoning a waiter one of the strangers was short with flaming red hair, and in his eye the twinkle without which the collected works of Bernard Shaw are as sounding brass. He twinkled about him as he walked, at the bright lights and spurious gaiety under the spell of which San Marco sought to forget the rates per day with bath. The French, he mused, are a volatile people, fond of light wines and dancing. So it would seem are the inhabitants of San Marco, white flannels harry white flannels they should encase that leaning tower of pisa you call your manly form the other long cadaverous immersed in a gentle melancholy groaned another tourist hothouse packed with innocents abroad and everybody bleeding em but us everything here but a real home with chintz table covers and a cold roast of beef in the ice chest what are we doing here we should have gone north ah harry chide me no more pleaded the little man i was weak i know but all the freight seemed to be coming south and i have always longed for a winter amid the sunshine and flowers look at this fat old duffer coming alms for the love of allah alms shut up growled the thin one save your breath till we stand hat in hand in the office of the local newspaper a job two jobs good lord there aren't two newspaper jobs in the entire south well we can only be kicked out into the night again and perhaps stake to a meal in the name of the guild in which we have served so long and liquidly some day said the short man dreamily when i am back in the haunts of civilization again i am going to start something a society for melting the stone hearts of editors motto have a heart have a heart emblem a roast beef sandwich rampant on a cloth of linen ah well the day will come they halted in the plaza in the round stone tub provided the town alligator dozed above him hung a warning sign do not feed or otherwise annoy the alligator the short man read and drew back with a tragic groan feed or otherwise annoy he cried heavens harry is that the way they look at it here this is no place for us we'd better be moving on to the next town but the lean stranger gave no heed instead he stepped over and entered into earnest converse with a citizen of san marco in a moment he returned to his companion's side one newspaper he announced the evening chronicle suppose the office is locked for the night but come along let's try feed or otherwise annoy 
muttered the little man blankly for the love of allah alms they traversed several side streets and came at last to the office of the chronicle it was a modest structure verging on decay one man sat alone in the dim interior reading exchanges under an electric lamp good evening said the short man genially are you the editor uh-huh responded the chronicle man without enthusiasm from under his green eyeshade glad to know you we just dropped in a couple of newspaper men you know this is mr harry howe until recently managing editor of the mobile press my own name is robert o'neill a humble editorial writer on the same sheet uh-huh if you had jobs for god's sake why did you leave them ah you may well ask the red-haired one dropped uninvited into a chair old man it's a dramatic story the chief of police of mobile happened to be a crook and a grafter and we happened to mention it in the press night before last twenty-five armed cops invaded the peace and sanctity of our sanctum harry and i pure accident landed in the same general heap at the foot of the fire escape out back and here we are here we are my newspaper instinct said the chronicle man had already enabled me to gather that last sarcasm it was a bad sign but blithely bob o'neill continued here we are he said two experienced newspaper men down and out we thought there might possibly be a vacancy or two on the staff of your paper the editor threw off his eyeshade revealing a cynical face boys he said i thank you from the bottom of my heart i've been running this alleged newspaper for two long dreary years and this laugh you've just handed me is the first i've had during that time vacancies there is one a big one see my pocket for particulars two years boys and all the time hoping praying that some day i'd make two dollars and sixty cents which is the railroad fare to the next town howe and o'neill listened with faces that steadily grew more sorrowful i'd like to stake you to a meal the editor went on but a man's first duty is to his family any burglar will tell you that i suppose ventured o'neill most of the flash gone from his manner there is no other newspaper here no there isn't there's a weird thing here called the san marco mail morning outrage it's making money but by different methods than i'd care to use you might try there you look unlucky perhaps they take you on he rose from his chair and gave them directions for reaching the mail office good night boys he said thank you for calling you're the first newspaper men i've seen in two years except when i've looked in the glass and the other day i broke my looking-glass good night and bad luck go with you to the extent of jobs on the mail cynic breathed o'neill in the street a bitter tongue maketh a sour face i liked him not a morning outrage called the mail sounds promising like smallpox in the next county we shall see said howe that which meets our vision forward march the alligator and i muttered o'neill famished perishing for the love of allah as i remarked before alms in the dark second-floor hallway where the mail office was suspected of being they groped about determinedly 
no sign of any nature proclaimed san marco's only morning paper a solitary light shining through a transom beckoned boldly o'neill pushed open the door to the knowing nostrils of the two birds of passage was wafted the odor they loved the unique inky odor of a newspaper shop their eyes beheld a rather bare room a typewriter or two a desk in the centre of the room was a small table under an electric lamp on this table was a bottle and glasses and at it two silent men played poker one of the men was burly and bearded the other was slight pale nervous from an inner room came the click of linotypes lonesome linotypes that seemed to have strayed far from their native haunts the two men finished playing the hand and looked up good evening said o'neill with a smile that had drawn news as a magnet draws steel in many odd corners gentlemen four newspaper men meet in a strange land i perceive you have on the table a greeting unquestionably suitable the bearded man laughed rose and discovered two extra glasses on a nearby shelf draw up he said heartily the place is yours you're as welcome as payday thanks o'neill reached for a glass let me introduce ourselves and he mentioned his own name and how's call me mears said the bearded one i'm managing editor of the mail and this is my city editor mr elliot delighted breathed o'neill a pleasant little haven you have found here and your staff i don't see the members of your staff running in and out mr o'neill said mears impressively you have drunk with the staff of the mail you too o'neill's face shone with joy glory be do you hear that harry these gentlemen all alone on the premises he leaned over and poured out eloquently the story of the tragic flight from mobile i call this luck he finished here we are broke eager for work and we find you minus a o'neill stopped for he had seen a sickly smile of derision float across the face of the weary city editor and he saw the bearded man shaking his great head violently nothing doing said the bearded man firmly sorry to dash your hopes always ready to pour another drink but there are no vacancies here no sir two of us are plenty and running over eh bill plenty and running over agreed the city editor warmly into their boots tumbled the hearts of the two strangers in a strange land gloom and hunger engulfed them but the managing editor of the mail was continuing and what was this he was saying no boys we don't need a staff have just as much use for a manicure set but you come at an opportune time wanderlust it tickles the soles of four feet to-night and those four feet are editorial feet on the mail something tells us that we are going away from here boys how would you like our jobs he stared placidly at the two strangers o'neill put one hand to his head see me safely to my park bench harry he said it was that drink on an empty stomach i'm all in a daze i hear strange things i hear em too said howe see here he turned to mears are you offering to resign in our favor the minute you say the word both of you believe me said the city editor you can't say the word too soon well 
said Howe. I don't know what's the matter with the place, but you can consider the deal closed. Spoken like a sport, the bearded man stood up. You can draw lots to determine who is to be managing editor and who city editor. It's an excellent scheme. I attained my proud position that way. One condition I attach. Ask no questions. Let us go out into the night unburdened with your interrogation points. Elliot, too, stood. The bearded man indicated the bottle. Fill up, boys. I propose a toast to the new editors of the mail. May heaven bless them and bring them safely back to the north when Florida's fitful fever is past. Dizzily, uncertainly, Howe and O'Neill drank. Mr. Mears reached out a great red hand toward the bottle. Pardon me, private property, he said. He pocketed it. We bid you good-bye and good luck. Think of us on the choo-choo, please. Riding far, riding far. But see here, cried O'Neill. But me no buts, said Mears again. Nary a question, I beg of you. Take our jobs, and if you think of us at all, think of gleaming rails and a speeding train. Once more, good-bye. The door slammed. O'Neill looked at Howe. Fairies, he muttered, or the DTs. What is this, a comic opera or a town? You are managing editor, Harry. I shall be city editor. Is there a city to edit? No matter. No, said Howe. He reached for the greasy pack of cards. We draw for it. Come on, high winds. Jack, announced Mr. O'Neill. Deuce, smiled Howe. What are your orders, sir? O'Neill passed one hand before his eyes. A steak, he muttered. Well done. Mushroom sauce, French fried potatoes. I've always dreamed of running a paper some day. Hurry up with that steak. Forget your stomach, said Howe. If a subordinate may make a suggestion, we must get out a newspaper. Ah, whom have we here? A stocky, red-faced man appeared from the inner room and stood regarding them. Where's Mears and Elliot? he demanded. On a train, riding far, said O'Neill. I am the new managing editor. What can I do for you? You can get me four columns of copy for the last page of tomorrow's mail said the stocky man calmly i'm foreman of something in there we call a composing room glad to meet you four columns mused o'neill four columns of what the foreman pointed to a row of battered books on a shelf it's been the custom he said to fill up with stuff out of that encyclopedia there thanks o'neill answered he took down a book we'll fix you up in ten minutes Mr. Howe, will you please do me two columns on uh, Mulligatawny, Murder, Mushrooms. That's it, on Mushrooms. Life story of the humble little mushroom. I myself will dash off a column or so on the climate of Algeria. The foreman withdrew, and Howe and O'Neill stood looking at each other. Once, said o'neill i ran an editorial page in boston where you can always fill space by printing letters from citizens who wish to rewrite lincoln's gettysburg address and do it right but i never struck anything like this before me either said howe mushrooms did you say they sat down before typewriters 
one thing worries me remarked o'neill if we'd asked the president of the first national bank for jobs do you suppose we'd be in charge there now right man right said howe the clatter of their fingers on the keys filled the room they looked up suddenly ten minutes later to find a man standing between them he was a little man clad all in white suit shoes stockings his sly old face was lemon yellow and his eyes suggested lights flaming in the dark woods at night big pardon said the little man ah and what can we do for you inquired o'neill nothing mr mears mr elliot gone for most you are now speaking to the managing editor of the mail ah indeed we are very busy if you'll just tell me what you want i merely dropped in i am manuel gonzale owner of the mail good lord cried o'neill do not be disturbed i take it you gentlemen have replaced mears and elliot i am glad let them go you look like bright young men to me quite bright enough i employ you thanks stammered the managing editor don't mention it here is madame auntie's for to-morrow it runs on the first page as for the rest of the paper suit yourselves o'neill took the copy and glanced through it are there no libel laws down here he asked the material in that column said the little man his eyes narrowing concerns only me you must understand that at once the madam writes hot stuff ventured o'neill i am the madam said the owner of the mail with dignity he removed the copy from o'neill's hand and glided with it into the other room scarcely had he disappeared when the door was opened furiously and a panting man stood inside mr henry trimmer's keen eye surveyed the scene where's mears elliot he cried you're not the cashier are you asked o'neill with interest don't try to be funny roared trimmer i'm looking for the editor of this paper your search is ended o'neill replied what is it you mean you say i got a front-page story for tomorrow's issue that will upset the town come to my arms cried o'neill what is it the real lord harrowby has been kidnapped o'neill stared at him sorrowfully have you been reading the duchess again he asked who the hell is lord harrowby do you mean to say you don't know where have you been buried alive out of the inner room glided manuel gonzale and recognizing him mr trimmer poured into his ear the story of george's disappearance mr gonzale rubbed his hands a good story he said a very good story thank you a thousand times i myself will write it with a scornful glance at the two strangers mr trimmer went out and manuel gonzale sat down at his desk o'neill and howe returned to their encyclopedic dispatches there you are said gonzale at last standing put an eight-column head on that please and run it on the front page a very fine story the paper must go to press he looked at a diamond-studded watch in an hour only four pages please see to the make-up my circulation manager will assist you with distribution at the door he paused it occurs to me that your exchequer may be low seventy-five dollars a week for the managing editor fifty 
for the city editor allow me ten dollars each in advance if you need more pray remind me into their hands he put crinkling bills and then gliding still like the fox he looked he went out into the night sister cried o'neill weakly the fairies are abroad to-night i heard the rustle of their feet over the grass fairies sneered howe i could find another and a harsher name for them don't pleaded o'neill don't look a gift bill in the treasury number don't try to penetrate behind the beyond say nothing and let us eat how are you coming with the mushroom cereal an hour later they sent the paper to press and sought the grill-room of the hotel alameda as they came happily away from that pleasant spot o'neill spied a fruit-stand he stopped and made a few purchases now said howe let us go over and meet the circulation manager here where are you going bob just a minute o'neill shouted back come along harry i'm going over to the plaza i'm going over to feed that alligator End of chapter 10